Good morning. My name is Gary Weber. I'm the pastor here at Southside Baptist Church, and we're delighted to have this day to gather to worship on a holiday weekend. Maybe you've got a little extra time off. We hope you do, and that you get to spend that with some people you love, and just uh, an opportunity to rest and reflect and catch up as we get into a very busy fall. But again, just let me add to what Eddie's already said and say we're so glad to have you with us here this morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open to Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'll put these verses on the screen. Uh, There are also Bibles in front of you, and if you do not own a printed Bible or someone you love does not own a printed Bible, uh, feel free to take that as a gift uh, to them from us or to you from us. Acts chapter 28, I'll begin reading in verse 16, Acts 28 beginning in verse 16. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldiers who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar Though I had no charge to bring against my nation, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letter from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this year we have uh, been working our way through the book of Acts together, and uh, it's been quite a journey. We started out the first of the year looking at Acts chapters 1 through 7 in January and February, and during that time we, we looked at six habits of discipleship, and we challenged one another uh, to practice those habits this year and try to walk, make it, have a closer walk with uh, Jesus in 2018 than we've ever had before. And uh, then in the spring, we looked at Acts chapters 8 through 12, 
in a series that we called Breakout, and we talked about uh, Jesus' call for us to follow him was a call to abandon what uh, would make us comfortable or convenient, and there were things in our lives that we would have to uh, break out of if we were going to follow Jesus in his great mission in the world. And then over the summer, uh, we have been looking at Acts chapter 13 through 28 in a series that we called Journey to the Ends of the Earth, and we have been looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. What does it look like to be on mission with Jesus literally to the ends of the earth? And we've used Paul's uh, story in the book of Acts to kind of get a picture of that. And so today, of course, we come to Acts chapter 28, and I'm reminded of a famous quote by Winston Churchill uh, when it finally looked like the tide of World War II was turning, and he was asked if the war was about to end. And here's what Winston Churchill said, now this is not the end, it is not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. The end of the beginning. That's really what we're looking at in Acts chapter 28. It's not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. uh, But it is perhaps... Uh, the end of, of the beginning. So let me just give you just a little background if you've not been journeying with us. And if you haven't and you're interested, you can always go online, uh, ssbc.org, and our live stream is there, our podcast is there. You can, uh, you can join us on our digital campus and catch up on any of these messages. But let me just give you a little bit of an insight into the end of the book of Acts and what got us to this point. First of all, Acts chapter 28 is kind of a controversial chapter among people who study the Bible because Acts chapter 8 doesn't have a very satisfying ending. In fact, many would say it doesn't have an ending at all. And so there are different theories about why that is. We're going to look at that in just a minute. I think it was quite intentional. We'll get there uh, towards the end. But really what this does is it takes us all the way back to the beginning of the book of Acts in the words that Jesus said to his disciples as he was about to leave them. And and some of you have this verse memorized. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power, say it with me if you know it, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so this was the mission that Jesus gave the disciples as he is ascending back to heaven. And as he's going back to heaven, they are all standing there looking up in the sky, waiting on him to come back. And we don't know how long they stood, but long enough that God finally sent an angel down and said, what are you guys standing around for? Didn't you hear what he said? Get busy. Go to it. Get after it. Get, do what God's called you to do. And so you see the church in Jerusalem begin to form, it, uh, for, form in, in the first seven chapters. And, and then there's persecution that breaks out. And then the church begins to reach out to Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria. And then persecution breaks out again at the hands of, uh, of Saul of Tarsus, who would later become the Apostle Paul. And, and the church begins to expand out as God himself as God himself steps in and, and reveals himself to Paul, Paul becomes a believer and becomes uh, the great church planner and missionary. And so Paul's going around telling everybody uh, the truth uh, about Jesus. Finally, he goes back to Jerusalem where the whole thing started. He's back right at the nucleus, at ground zero of where the gospel took place. And Paul is arrested and he's handed over to the Romans. And the Romans uh, carry him off in a ship. And last week, he's on his way to Rome, which is where God has called him to be all along, to the ends of the earth. And on his way, he, his ship uh, is, is overcome by a storm. And we looked at that shipwreck last week. And then the beginning of chapter 28, as if things couldn't get any worse, Paul is on the island of Malta where he's bitten by a venomous snake. 
And somehow he survives. And through the course of his time on Malta, he shares the gospel message with everybody on Malta. Well, finally, in Acts chapter 28, we see that Paul arrives in Rome where he is living under house arrest. Now, many people who study uh, the Bible from more of a critical standpoint will look at the book of Acts and say that they think that Dr. Luke, the one who is writing the book of Acts, actually wrote this as part of Paul's defense when he was going before the emperor Nero. That that at least these last few chapters were Luke's way of writing down the whole story so that when Paul appeared before Nero, there would be a documented account of what took place. But more than just the case that was going to be presented to Nero, I think this chapter has some significant uh, ideas and concepts for us as a church. And, And I want us to look at three conclusions that we can draw from the end of the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 28, because I think these conclusions are really important for our own journey to discipleship, for our own efforts in following after Jesus. And so I want to look at these three conclusions that we can draw from the end of the book of Acts. First of all, this one, God has not called us to be successful. He has called us to be faithful. God has not called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful. Now, this is a very countercultural idea. Because everything in our culture speaks to success. In fact, if you are on social media, everybody's page looks like they're winning at life, doesn't it? Right? I mean, everybody. I mean, everybody's grandkids are, you know, beautiful and perfect, and their kids are making straight A's in school, and, you know, their meal that they're eating that night looks like it just came out off the, off the food network. I mean, everything on social media looks like it's winning and it's successful. And, of course, you know that's not true because you know your own feed is not true right? You know your life doesn't look as good in reality as it looks like in social media, but this is the world we live in. And what it does is it instills this idea inside of our minds, inside of our hearts, that that God is somehow calling us to be whatever is defined as successful. That's what we're supposed to be. But I think the entire message of the Bible is not that God is calling us to succeed. He's calling us to be faithful. And in fact, many times, faithfulness looks just like the opposite of success, We've seen that throughout, the, throughout Paul's experience as he's been following after Jesus in this mission he's given him. Look what he says in Acts 28, verse 21 and 22. This is, uh, this is Paul. He's, he's now in Rome. He has asked for the Jews in the city of Rome to come see him in his house where he is held under arrest. And this is what they say to him. We have received no letter from Judea about you. With regards to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. In other words, they haven't heard all the bad news about Paul, all the accusations and false charges about Paul, but they have heard about this group of people calling themselves Christian. And they were already conditioned to the idea, to the opinion, uh, that these guys were up to no good before they really knew anything about them. And here's what is true. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. People who don't know what, who Jesus is or what he taught or know what it's like to follow Jesus, they still have many times, especially in our culture today, a negative opinion of Christians or Christianity, not because they know it, but because they really don't know anything about it. They've only heard rumors about it. And one of the things I think is important for us to understand that Paul understood is that we should not assume that people know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. 
We should never assume that people just because in our area that they were born in the South or they live in the South, that they understand what the teachings of Jesus are, who Jesus was, what he came to do. We should never assume that they understand or have a positive opinion of Christianity. Instead, what we should do is we should live a life that's faithful in showing them what it looks like to live out, live out your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. God hasn't called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful. And through our faithfulness, we give a demonstration to people who would look at us what it is like to follow Jesus. It's what Paul was doing. Even in the city of Rome, even under house arrest, he was being faithful. But Paul uh, cannot leave. Uh, he, can't, he, can't, he can't resolve this entire conversation uh, with them at that time. So he has the Jews come back. So later, when they come back, they bring a lot of people with them. I mean, we're, the idea that the house would have been overflowing. People might have even been standing in the street hearing Paul teach. And this is what it says in verse 24. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. So even the apostle Paul wasn't necessarily successful by our standards today in his mission of sharing the gospel with the people who gathered around his house. There was a big crowd there, and some of them believed, but what does it say? But others disbelieved. They did not believe. And and this reminds me at the end of Matthew chapter 28, right before Jesus said, go into all the nations. The verse right before that, at the end of Acts chapter 28, it says, the disciples were all around him, and many believed, but some didn't believe. Some didn't believe. Now, now who didn't they believe? They didn't believe the resurrected Jesus. I mean, he's standing right there. He's talking to them. He's teaching them. And the Bible says some of them didn't believe. If they didn't believe the Apostle Paul and they didn't believe the resurrected Jesus, what makes you think they're going to believe you? What makes me think they're going to believe me? No matter how good my argument is, no, no, no matter how good I am at, at explaining things in a culturally appropriate way, it, it doesn't matter. Because the reality is, I have not called to be successful, I'm called to be faithful. And in my faithfulness, I share the message of the gospel without worrying about necessarily how it is received or, or if it is successful. The success of Paul's ministry was not determined by those who did not believe. It was determined by Paul's faithfulness to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth. In fact, what you see is throughout Paul's ministry, he goes into a city, he gets arrested, he gets thrown in prison, he's brought up on charges, he's stoned, he's shipwrecked, he's run out of town. These are not things that we would look at and say, Paul was successful. Most of us would look at this story and say, Paul was a criminal of some kind. Paul was on the run. Paul wasn't successful. But Paul wasn't called to be successful. He was called to be faithful. Do you know that Hank Aaron, who held the uh, home run uh, title for many years in, the, uh, in, the, in Major League Baseball, he hit 755 career home runs, but he also had 1,383 strikeouts. He struck out almost twice as many times as he hit a home run. We don't talk about that, do we? What Morgan Freeman, you know, the actor Morgan Freeman, do you know that he tried to succeed as an actor for years and years and years? It wasn't until 50, he was 50 years old that he finally got a, got a break. Steven Spielberg was rejected from film school three times. Well, can, wouldn't you like to be those guys who rejected his application? <laughs> 
I mean, just think, you know, we always focus on people's success without really looking at the fact that there was a whole lot of failures that went along with those successes. And God isn't necessarily interested in a scoreboard where he's measuring your successes versus your failures. What he's interested in is are you being faithful to what I've called you to do? Are you being faithful as a husband? Are you being faithful as a wife? Are you being faithful as, your, as the parents to, to, to parent the children God's entrusted to you? Are you being faithful to your community? Are you being faithful to your church? Are you being faithful to take every opportunity God gives before you to just share the hope that we find in Jesus Christ? Not are you being successful, are you being faithful? I mean, you're not always going to be successful as a parent. Can I get an amen? Amen, right? You're not. But that's not what God called, has called you to do. He's called you to be faithful. And the question for us as a church, Southside Baptist Church, we will not be measured by how many people in San Marco choose not to believe the gospel. That's not how we'll be measured. We will be measured as a church by our faithfulness to proclaim the gospel and demonstrate the love of Jesus regardless of how people respond to it. That's how we'll be measured as a church. Because God has not called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful. The second thing, we are not responsible for those who refuse to listen but are called to share with everyone who will. Now this is really, really important. And this is actually um, a theme that runs throughout the entire Bible, especially in the prophets. You, You saw how Paul quoted the prophet Isaiah, basically saying, you know what? You're wasting your time, Isaiah. These people have ears, but they'll never listen to you. They have eyes, but they'll never see. Their hearts are hard. And Paul is remembering what God said to Isaiah hundreds of years before, and he's saying, people don't change. Well, guess what? 2,000 years later, people still haven't changed. Because we've got ears, but we don't hear. We've got eyes, but we don't see. We've got our hearts, but they're often closed. And I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. How many times have I just not wanted to hear what I needed to hear? I just choose to live in my own reality. I don't want to see what's obvious in front of me. I just want to live in my own reality. I want to live in a state of denial, forgetting and ignoring all the, all the problems that are going around me. This is part of what it means to live in a broken, sinful uh, human condition. That's, what it, that's what's broken in us. Our hearts are broken. We're deceived. Our hearts are deceived. Our hearts are deceptive. And so Paul looks around at these people and he realizes, hey, they're hearing this. I'm giving them, I'm offering them evidence from the prophets. I'm offering them evidence from the Old Testament. And they're still rejecting. And so what does Paul do? Does he just give up and say, I tried? No. No. He, 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 he just turns his focus, focus, attention towards those who will listen to him. Listen, look at what it says in Acts chapter 28, verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Everywhere Paul went, everywhere Paul went, it's consistent. He showed up and the first thing he did was he went to the synagogue or to the place where the Jews were gathered. And he began to share with them that Jesus was the fulfillment of the hope that Israel had had for thousands of years. He's here. The Messiah is here. And he'd go and he'd share. Some of the Jews would believe. Some of the Jews would not believe. But he would always start with them. And then from there he would move on and he would begin to share the message with anybody who was willing to listen to him. And I think Paul's motivation for moving on from those who wouldn't listen to those who would came from Jesus himself. When Jesus gathered the disciples together, maybe you remember this story, and he was sending them out two by two. 
And he said, when you go into a town, uh, go in and speak, tell them about the kingdom of God. If they listen to you, stay and continue to share. If they don't listen to you, shake the dust off your feet and get out of there. That's where that phrase came from. You ever heard that phrase, shake the dust off your feet? It's in the Bible. You should read that every now and then. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. Don't waste your time with people who aren't going to listen to you. There's a whole world of people who will listen if you would be willing to share. So just move on. At another, another place, Jesus said something even more provocative than that. He said, don't cast your pearls before pigs. You know what he means by that? He's like, listen, the message you've been given is a precious message. And if people are just going to trample on it, don't, don't cast your pearls before them. Move on. It's precious. Share it with people who will respond. And so throughout the book of Acts, we see Paul suffering rejection after rejection, but he's never detoured. Instead, he constantly focuses on those people who will listen to the message because we're not responsible for those who refuse to listen, but we're called to share with everyone who will. It reminds me of what uh, God said to the prophet Ezekiel. He's warning about destruction that's coming. He's, he's telling Ezekiel, you've got to tell them that if they don't change the way they're living, this is going to end badly for them. And Ezekiel really, he's kind of resisting, and God finally says to him, Ezekiel, listen, if you do not go to them and tell them this message, and they die because of the consequences, their blood will be on your head. But if you go to them and you tell them, and they still don't listen, and they die their blood's on their own head. You, Ezekiel, are just called to be faithful. You're not called to be successful. You're not responsible for the people who won't listen, but you are responsible to share with the people who will listen. So let me ask you, this is an important question for us as a church, one I've asked before, one I think we should continue to ask, but it's not just a question for the church as an organization. It's a question for you personally. Here it is, two important questions, our church, or you can mark out our church and say, I must answer. Here it is, the first one. Who is hurting that we can help? Who is hurting that we can help? As you look around your circle of influence, as you look around your community, who is hurting that you're in a position to help? Because that may be the very place where God will use you to fulfill his purpose for your life and to share the kingdom of God with those who are hurting. Do you notice in your own life, When things are going well, you really don't have much of a need for God. But let one crisis come, one challenge come, one problem come, and suddenly you're very interested in having God's help again. That's, again, part of human nature. So when we look around our community, who do we see that's hurting that we can help? Because that is an opportunity to share the gospel with those who will receive it. Second question, who can we reach that no one else is reaching? Who can we reach that no one else is reaching? I'm so excited about what's going on in our our student ministry. Um, This Wednesday night, we're going to have an opportunity to do a deep dive and share more about our student ministry and our Wednesday night service and some of the great things God is doing, how you can pray for them or even partner with them. But but one of the great opportunities that God has given us is through our faith-based partnerships in public schools. And how God has used those doors for us to go into the school campuses, not in an inappropriate way or in a way that violates anybody's personal religious convictions, but in a way to help those who are hurting, to reach those that nobody else is reaching. 
Uh, right now, we're in conversations on the high school campus where we partner to say, how, how can we come into this high school campus and actually offer some recovery program for high school students who are already addicted to drugs and alcohol? Already. At the age of 15, 16, 17 years old, it's an epidemic problem on our, on our high school campuses. And we've got people, students in our church, who see the problem happening in their own halls and said, hey, this is an opportunity for us to reach those that no one else is reaching, to help those who are hurting. And it's also an opportunity through that to demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who is hurting that we can help? Who can we reach that no one else is reaching? Because we are not responsible for those who refuse to listen, but we have been called to share with anyone and everyone who will. Third truth that comes from the end of the book of Acts. And this one, <clears throat> this one could be a whole sermon on its own. So I, 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 I put a note in my file to come back and preach this again. Uh, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this probably is a sermon I should preach every week. Because here's the truth. An obstacle can be an excuse or an opportunity. An obstacle can be an excuse or an opportunity. Every obstacle in your life, wherever it comes from, physical condition, relational problem, financial condition, whatever it is, every obstacle that you see in your life is either going to be an excuse for you not to do what you know God's calling you to do, or it will be the very opportunity that God has given you to be obedient to what he's called you to do. Every obstacle can be an excuse or an opportunity. Look, look with me at the end of Acts 28, verse 30 and 31, the last two verses in the book of Acts. Paul, he, lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, let me just, if you missed it earlier, Paul is in chains He's, he's got, he's, he is literally chained to the ground in this house. He has a soldier, a Roman soldier, who is standing guard over him at all times. He is not allowed to leave the house. Talk about an obstacle. That's an obstacle. I mean, he, he is literally bound to this place. And Paul could have viewed that obstacle as an excuse. Well, God, you know what? I know you called me to the ends of the earth. I know you called me to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. But you know what? I've got a chain around my ankle. I've got a Roman soldier standing guard at my door. What do you want me to do, God? What do you expect me to do? Paul didn't use it as an excuse. Instead, he used it as an opportunity. He had just invited everybody to come to his house. He just saw it as a way to make his house the first church, the first church of Rome. A place where people could gather and they could ask questions. Paul's door was always open. See, they kept Paul under house arrest, but they couldn't lock down the message of the gospel. And I just wonder if you have viewed your obstacles as an opportunity or as an excuse. Paul's house became his church. My question is, has yours? Has your house become a church? Now, I know on our digital campus, we've got homebound members who log in and watch every week. And, and maybe they feel a little bit like Paul. They've been chained to their house. They cannot leave their house for whatever reason. Maybe they're caring for a loved one who's, 
who's not well, maybe they themselves physically can't, can't get out. They're in the same situation Paul was in. And the question is, is that obstacle an excuse or is it an opportunity? What about, your, what about your office? Has it become a church? What about your cubicle? What about your locker, students? Have you viewed those things as obstacles or opportunities to be obedient to what God's called you to do? Do you live with open doors? Are the doors of your house, the doors of your office, are they open? So that when people are seeking answers, when people are seeking uh, hope, that they feel free and welcomed to come into your house, into your office, into your cubicle. They, they, They feel free to wait by your locker because they see something in your life that they're missing and they want it. Is your door open? Now, I know this gets personal, and I know people have all kinds of excuses. Well, you haven't seen my house. It's too small. You, you don't know what it's like. Listen, you can make all the excuses you want. You can make all the excuses you want. But at the end of the day, you have been called to be faithful with what God's entrusted to you. Are you willing to live with open doors? Are you willing to view the obstacles of your life as an opportunity that God has given you? And the question for us as a church Are the doors of Southside Baptist Church open? Are we a place where people can wander in off the street without fear of being judged or criticized or condemned, but where they can come in with significant spiritual questions and feel free to ask them and get true answers from loving people who are demonstrating the love of Christ in their actions and in their words? Are we that kind of a church? Are the doors of our church opened? I find it interesting that in the book of Revelation, one of the letters uh, that John was writing to one of the churches uh, says that Jesus is saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Some of you may have heard that verse as like like he's standing at the door of your heart and knocking. That's true, but that's not what he was talking about. He's standing at the doors of a church, knocking and saying, hey, can I come in? Jesus is standing at the doors and saying, can I come in? And here's the reality. If the doors of our church are closed, they're closed to Jesus before they're closed to anybody else. They're closed to him first and foremost. And we have to ask ourselves, are we living with open doors like Paul did? Or are we creating obstacles for people? Are we creating excuses for people? here's, Here's what I think about the book of Acts. And one of the reasons I love this passage of scripture is... Uh, I think Luke was very intentional in the way he ended it. Acts doesn't end with a period. It ends with a question mark. You see, Acts has bookends. On the front side of the book of Acts, you've got Acts 1.8. Jesus saying, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, go to the ends of the earth. And then the other bookend is Acts 28, where you have Paul literally at the ends of the earth doing exactly what Jesus has commanded him to do. But the book of Acts doesn't end with Paul in Jerusalem, where he started. It doesn't end with him in Antioch. It doesn't even end with him under house arrest in the city of Rome. In fact, you read this and you turn the page and you're like, well, what happened? Oh, what happened in the trial before Nero? What, 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 did, he, did he get off? Was he sent to prison? Was he executed? I mean, we, we don't know. Luke didn't tell us the rest of the story. It ends with a question mark. But the question mark isn't even really about what happened to Paul. The question is this. Will we continue to be found faithful to answer the call of Jesus to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth? 
The story of Acts extends to September 2nd, 2018, to a church located at 1435 Atlantic Boulevard, Jacksonville, Florida. It extends to right where you are sitting today. The reason the book of Acts ends with a question mark is because the question is is your question. It's my question. It's our question. And here's the question that people have been asking for 2,000 years. Will the church survive? I mean, every generation has asked this question. Will the church survive? You know, Barna comes out with a new survey, and, and it looks like church attendance is down, and there are more people who don't believe in, you know, in the Bible or don't believe in Christianity than there are people who do, and people start wringing their hands and asking questions. Well, will the church survive? What will happen next? What will we do next? Let me, let me answer that question for you once and for all and then ask a better question. The answer to the question is, yes, the church will survive. Of course it will. The church will endure because Jesus said he will build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. You see, I'm glad that the survival of the church isn't dependent on me. It's dependent on Jesus. It's his church. And from generation to generation, he has been faithful And he has demonstrated his faithfulness through faithful men and women who were willing to answer his call and live obediently to be examples of Jesus and to proclaim the gospel in their generation. But that's not a good question. Let me give you a better question. What part will you play in the story that is being written in Acts chapter 29? That's a better question. What what part will you play in your house, with your family member who is hurting and far from God, with your coworker who is going through a difficult time in life right now and is desperate for something, even though they don't recognize they're desperate for an answer. Well, what are you, with that, that classmate, students, who you know is struggling with an addiction problem and they're crying out for help and nobody's listening, what will you do? Will you write across the pages of your life, Acts chapter 29, how you continue to follow Jesus into your community, into your neighborhoods, into your homes, into your schools? Will you continue the message as so many have before you? Will you be faithful? Not successful, not successful. But will you be faithful? And listen, I don't mean you have to be even faithful. If if there are people who, who refuse to listen, listen, you're not responsible for that. You are responsible to share with anybody who will, though. Are you being faithful in that? And will you view every obstacle that you face? Will we as a church view every obstacle we face as an opportunity rather than an excuse? we got some work to do, church we got to live out Acts 29 every day. You get a day off tomorrow from work, but we never get a day off from the mission that Jesus has called us to. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads as we pray together. And uh, as we just wrap up this conversation through the book of Acts and we ask this question, will I be found faithful? Will I be faithful? Maybe today, just in a way of responding to that, you would just come. Maybe you need to pray with me, with someone else, pray at these steps. Just in a way of recommitting yourself 
to the mission that God has given you. Maybe you have been overwhelmed with the thought that you have to be successful. And in in pursuing success, you've neglected to be faithful. Maybe there are people who are hurting around you that you, re- you realize that, that God has strategically positioned you in their life and maybe, maybe your faithfulness needs to be demonstrated just by sharing with those who are hurting, sharing with those who nobody else is reaching. Maybe for you today, you realize that the obstacles of your life have become an excuse and you just want to bring them before the Lord and say, God, how will you translate these excuses into opportunities? Whatever God is doing in your heart, don't leave here today without without coming to some terms with him, how you're going to leave in obedience and in faith to continue the mission of Acts 29. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the message of the gospel. Thank you for Paul's faithfulness in his generation. But Lord, help us to realize that Paul's call was no different than the call you placed on each and every one of us. Father, deliver us from the need to be successful And help us to focus on your call to be faithful. Father, show us the people who are hurting, who are unreached, that you've positioned us to reach. And Father, every obstacle that we have, we lay it at your throne and ask you to show us, God, how it might become an opportunity for us to fulfill your purpose in our generation. Lord, as a church, we want our doors to be open. As families, we want doors to be open. That like Paul, we might be a place where people come for hope and for answers and ultimately to have their lives transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.